Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Have you heard of prescription melatonin? It seems that many people are using it to help them sleep, but how exactly does it work? And is it safe for children? Dr. Alicia Thornton-Benko is a GP and she joins us now. Hi, Alicia. How are you? Well, thanks, Siobhan. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, I thought that melatonin was a hormone that occurred naturally in our bodies. What is it? Yes, you're absolutely correct. It is a hormone and it's made in the pineal gland in the brain. Um, And basically, it helps regulate our body's sleep-wake cycle. So the levels increase in the dark and at night time and decrease in often no levels um, when it's bright light and during the day. So how is it possible to get a script of melatonin um, if it's something that occurs naturally in our body? Does that mean it can be reproduced synthetically? Yes, no, it can be. Um, There are all sorts of products available, but I wouldn't even be going straight to that as a first instance, to be honest with you. Um, I think any time a child or anyone for that matter is having trouble getting to sleep or staying asleep, the first point of call is for parents or carers to look at what could actually be the problem. Is it the nighttime routine? Is there anxiety? Is there something going on with friendships at school, work, etc.? So I think those things are very important to address in the first instance prior to going to a pharmacy or going to, well, you can go to the doctor anytime, but prior to sort of thinking, oh, we need to treat this with some form of, of tablet or liquid. Um, I think looking at the use of equipment and technology is important and making sure, you know, we're limiting screen time and certainly limiting screen time at least an hour before bed and so what is the the room environment the sleep environment like is it dark enough so they're the first things that I think we all need to address yes there are some conditions children with ADHD or autism or neurodevelopmental abnormalities sometimes don't make as much um, and they often do get great benefit from melatonin But I certainly, before thinking about melatonin, would be addressing, you know, the other issues first. And then if you've done everything, if you've done everything you possibly can, I would go and visit your GP, of course, um, and have have a conversation, have a chat about it. Now, melatonin, you know, is relatively safe, but we don't have a lot of long term data for children. But it certainly is something that, you know, if you were going to trial it, it should be in consultation with your health professional and therefore a script would be um, required. So I I do know that you can buy it over the counter at a pharmacist. Is there a difference between the melatonin you can buy off the shelves and the melatonin that you get a script for? I mean, dosages are different. Yes, there's the ones over the counter um, and they're in the lower lower dose range, but still the one that's for a script in Australia is usually a slow release two milligram. But for children, it can vary if you are going to proceed with melatonin you can, you know, the dose could be varied from 0.5 milligram, even up to six milligram. But like I said, on a script level, it's usually higher, but it would be about two milligrams. 
I would definitely, definitely avoid anything, ordering any melatonin from the internet, particularly from overseas, because the melatonin that you, you do get even over the counter here at a reputable, um, you know, say pharmacy or through a script is, you know, tried and tested um, and relatively safe. But sometimes from overseas and when you don't know where the melatonin has come from, you, you really actually want the synthetic one. You don't want one that's come from the brain of another animal because there's all sorts of issues obviously related to that. Oh, um, God, yes. Yes. <laughs> so want to avoid that, you know, at, at, at all cost. So you explained what's happening in our body and how it works in our body. Is the melatonin that's synthetically reproduced doing exactly the same thing? Yeah, no, it should be. It should be. Obviously, there's different absorption. But yeah, essentially, yes. I mean, it is a hormone, even if it is synthetic hormone, it is a hormone. And the hormone, what we have to be remember and remind ourselves is that a hormone has action around the body. So yes, we want it to help us with the sleep-wake cycle, etc. Um, but it potentially could have effects on other body systems. And like I said, in the short term, in the short term studies we have, it's very it is considered to be safe, but we don't have long-term data on the effects of it. Um, what I will also say with it, it can cause the next day a little bit of sleepiness, a little bit of grogginess, um, can cause a little bit of tummy upset and you certainly don't want to be taking too high a level. And if you were in, in you know, a decision with your health provider going to try melatonin, it's probably better to use it on an as-needed basis about an hour before bedtime. I wouldn't be getting into the habit for the long term of using it every night. So um, this is probably a question I should have asked at the top, but when we talk about children having trouble sleeping, are there average hours they should be getting each day, let's say for a six-year-old, five-year-old child? I mean, I can't imagine you'd use melatonin in an under five-year-old, but perhaps I'm wrong about that. I mean, no, you certainly shouldn't be <laughs> yourself. That needs to be in consultation with a health professional and depending on the, the individual circumstances. I mean, yes, we need a little bit less sleep as we get older. I do think children are probably going to bed a little bit too late, in my opinion, because if they're going to school like a six-year-old, they're often, you know, at school between 8 or 9 a.m. So, you know, bedtime really should be, you know, in that 7 to 7.30 range for them to get adequate sleep. But that varies in a household. We all have to survive with the different activities, other children of different ages in a home. But, but that's kind of what you'd be looking at. I mean, I know a lot of children do go to bed later and they seem to be well-rested and they're developing well and they're happy. So, you know, you don't want to cause too much stress about it. But I think adequate sleep, it's absolutely important for development and recovery and, you know, mental health, everything. So you'd really only be looking at going to a GP and talking to them about melatonin if you're seriously concerned about how much sleep they're getting? Yeah, well, look, I think, yes, that's that's one part of it. But I think if a child is actually struggling to get to sleep or they're extremely wakeful and it's a consistent pattern, then that's when I'd be looking at all of those things I've, I've mentioned before about the actual nighttime routine, the sleep environment, screen time, other things that could be going on. And, yes, coming and having a chat with, with their health professional. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Siobhan. That's Dr. Alicia Thornton-Benko. She's a GP. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast 
produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time. Bye.